Startups are, are not that interested in hiring candidates that are, quote unquote, just looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for passion. Uh, they're looking for intellectual curiosity. Uh, they're looking for somebody that's always tr- sort of trying new things, kicking new tires. Um, and part of that is because, you know, these companies require you to oftentimes wear a lot of hats uh, and pick up skills on the fly. Hey, welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff, I'm a UX engineer at HubSpot. I'm Austin, I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. And I'm Matt, and I'm a growth engineer here at HubSpot. So today, we're gonna talk about a very exciting topic, which is recruiting, which is incredibly important because if you're a business or startup trying to grow, you need to attract incredible people and retain them so that they can build incredible stuff so that your business can actually grow. Uh, And so a big challenge in that is recruiting these incredible people. And so here to talk about that, we have an expert in the recruiting space. Incredibly excited to have him here. He's the CEO and founder of Think Big, an initiative that specializes in recruiting. Uh, So we have Mike Geis here joining us. Mike, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, guys. Um, Yeah, my name is Mike Geis. Uh, I founded uh, Think Big a couple years ago uh, with the idea of how can we help stack the deck in favor of startups and high growth companies to recruit uh, out of uh, top computer science and engineering universities. Um, you know, many big traditional companies have lots of resources, um, lots of people uh, to help recruit. Um, but, you know, startups and, and smaller companies tend to be much more resource con- and time constrained. So what we built is uh, really a model working with uh, top universities uh, that are outside the coast. Uh, so we're less worried about the universities in Boston and uh, those like Stanford and Berkeley. Uh, we're very focused on unleashing and unlocking uh, places like Cornell and Michigan and UMass Amherst and Illinois and Carnegie Mellon. Uh, so we focus on those schools and really provide a service that helps these companies Uh, get the word out, build brand, uh, generate interest and demand in their opportunities, source lots of candidates, and and ultimately hire terrific new additions to their team. Nice. Is that, um, can you describe a little bit about like the actual solution? Is it, it's a, it's a piece of software, like a platform or is it um, more like manual? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's mostly services uh, at the end of the day. Um, Think about it as, you know, when you view mar- uh, recruiting uh, at the at the front end of that whole process is the top of the funnel, right? Right. Uh, and so, what we do is provide uh, lots of marketing uh, around opportunities and the companies that we work with. Uh, we combine that with a number of uh, on-campus activities to engage students uh, and connect companies in with students. And then, you know, you can almost think about sourcing as lead generation. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, uh, corollaries or analogies, I should say, between marketing and recruiting. Uh, And we provide uh, a lot of the activities around how do we drive candidates into the top 
the recruiting funnel? And then how do we move them down? How do we filter? How do we curate and help these resource-constrained uh, companies um, not get you know uh, blown away by having four or five hundred candidates coming in? Right. Uh, we try to really focus on understanding their needs, what they're looking for, the technical experiences or skills that uh, candidates may have the personal characteristics uh, that companies desire, and then we try to really uh, filter and curate and say, you know, here's 30 of the most interesting out of these 350, and by the way, if you want, here's the other 320. Nice. Yeah. That's a... Just to, to be clear, is that a, an algorithm that does that? Or do you guys like, are you guys, or there's the magic behind the scenes? Or can you no, talk about that? No, I, I wish, um, and maybe someday I, I'll be able to crack the code on that. Um, you know, I don't think there's an easy way to run an algorithm um, when it comes to little nuances, uh, especially of small companies. I think, I'm sure, in fact, uh, I know there's, um, algorithms that will work for bigger companies when they're looking for standard roles. The challenge with you know startups in particular is that they're not going to go hire a hundred new grads to go do front-end development uh, at their company. Right. Um, they're going to hire one and that person's also going to do some back-end stuff okay yeah. and, and maybe know some UI UX right, right? Um, so you know trying to run a general algorithm I think would you know, would, uh, we're, we don't do that. So our, our model is high touch. Um, yeah. And, you know, we have some companies that want to see every candidate we can generate. And, you know, so those 500 go right into their recruiters and they start running with them. Um, but for those that are really would benefit from some filter and curation, that's going to be visual. And it's going to be us going through um, combined with historical data on candidates and, and being able to, uh, where we codify them up as having certain characteristics nice. so we can bring them uh, in and match them up. So are there any specific skills or qualities that you and your colleagues are looking for when you're going through these candidates and trying to pick out the top tier level of people that our listeners could kind of take away and say, hey, those are the type of people that I should be looking for or that's the type of person that I want to become? Yeah. Um, yeah, there are. I mean, let me preface, though, with saying that, you know, the smaller companies, they can all be a little different, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not one you know, consistent answer to that question. But there are characteristics that tend to draw interest of uh, companies more often than not. So uh, things like uh, on the technical side, it's, uh, you know, personal projects, um, side projects uh, that a, a, a computer science student or engineering student sort of does on the side. Startups are, are not that interested in hiring candidates that are quote unquote just looking for a job. Mm -hmm. um, they're looking for passion. Uh, they're looking for intellectual curiosity. Uh, they're looking for somebody that's always tr sort of trying new things, kicking new tires. Um, and part of that is because, you know, these companies require you to oftentimes wear a lot of hats uh, and pick up skills on the fly. Um, so, you know, one of the, uh, I'd say probably the top priority is going to be looking on the techno for technical uh, candidates and, you know, uh, students that are pursuing majors in those areas is really look for personal side projects. We hear that pretty consistently uh, across just about every company uh, that we work with. Uh, so, 
that would be looking uh, on a resume and you know, looking for things that they built on their own, um, and maybe hackathons or makeathons that they participated on in. Uh, GitHub is a huge thing um, uh, as a way to you know store you know some of your code, uh, uh, some of your code base that you've done uh, in different projects. Companies love GitHub. Um, uh, academic projects, you know, one would think those are really important. Not <laughs> very important. So, uh, especially when you go to certain schools. I mean, you know, if you get fifty or hundred resumes and you're looking, and you see that all of them are listing the same academic projects, yeah. there's no differentiation there. What about um, sports? Do sports matter? Uh, they could. I mean, we work with a company called Huddle, uh, yeah. and Huddle is you know uh, an amazing company, uh, very high bar uh, in terms of talent. And they're looking for people that are passionate about sports. Um, That's fair. So, yeah. uh, uh, but no, I think a personal side projects, big thing. Um, you know, demonstrate, illustrate what you can do through GitHub, uh, personal portfolio. If you're into UX, UI, or design uh, is key. Um, intellectual curiosity uh, is a big thing. So really looking for, you know, people that are just trying new things. That could be simply reading books. Right uh, and try you know, putting themselves uh, in different situations, getting outside the classroom to, to do different things. Um, that becomes something that's of interest. Previous industry experience uh, is a plus. Um, you know, I think that's what most people would think or expect. Uh, GPA, uh, you know, could be important to some companies. May not matter to other companies. Um, you know, and that surprises a lot of students. They've kind of been, you know, trained or it's been ingrained in their mind that GPA is really important. Uh, for startups, a great personal pro project portfolio with GitHub out-trumps GPA in yeah. almost all situations. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's because I, I've experienced that myself. Is It's at, at the end of the day, especially for startups, it's like, what can you actually do? You know? And so, like, what it sounds like you're saying here is that a lot of what you're looking for in those people that bubble up to the top are uh, efforts that are going beyond the education. And I assume that that's probably because that's a gauge of, of passion and true commitment to what it is that they're doing. Absolutely. So yeah. probably like the, the first thing, that, at least the, the thing that I tell my 16-year-old brother when he asks me, like, Austin, what do I do with my life, is I say, do something first and foremost that you love. You know, and then you'll see yourself spending time like actually building those those projects on yeah. your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just just wondering, do these companies normally hire like are they hiring into a, a tech team or are they kind of hiring somebody that's going to take over a lot of, you know, their technology, especially if you're hiring like software engineers, for example? Yeah. Um, how does that usually go? Well, up front, um, I, had a, I had a conversation last night with a Palo Alto startup, five employees, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're looking to hire a couple engineers. Um, uh, <clears throat> and my point being, in almost all cases, you know, coming out of university, these are going to be additions to existing teams. Right. Um, and that's not to say they, that the individual doesn't develop into a leader um, at some point down the road, uh, but they're going to be more um, uh, contributing engineer up front, um, part of a team, uh, and you know most of the roles are going to be around like software engineering. So that could be back end 
development, it could be full stack development, it could be front end. Um, you know, a lot of these opportunities are also around UI, UX, and visual design. Um, uh, and then when you kind of, and, and also data science is an area that is picking up right now. Yeah. So uh, I was talking with a small university two days ago, and they're going to start ad- adding a data science major. Uh, university of Michigan has a data science major that rolls out here, uh, starts in a month. Um, so schools are starting to address that, which I think is really smart because, you know, it's fitting where we're seeing an emerging class of opportunities uh, come out uh, at these startups. And then when you get outside tech, you know, the business areas, technical account management is a big one. Business development reps, sales development reps, mm-hmm. BDRs, SDRs um, uh, is a great place to start uh, your career uh, yeah. at a startup. Uh, and then, you know, things like marketing, community, building, um, some growth hacking. Uh, gotcha. you, you see Good it as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as, those are the most popular job titles. So this is, uh, okay, so I was actually under the impression that you guys did mostly like technical recruiting, like, um, you know, the software and like the engineering, but it sounds like you guys, you do a lot of everything, you know, sales reps and marketing. uh, Well, I mean, uh, let me be clear. I mean, we tend to focus around tech um, as our bullseye. So uh, when we go to schools and when we work with companies, it's usually the core is going to be around uh, product engineering, tech related roles. Um, But we have companies that have other needs as well. And we've also worked with some companies around sales development roles and positions. Um, we try, we, we really try to own the communication channels into engineering computer science students mm-hmm. through the universities. And that's on the administrative side, institutional side, but also the student group, student leader side. But we also attract those that are just interested in joining a startup. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to actually uh, actively grow the number of opportunities that we have that are outside of tech. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because we've got a ton of candidates. Right. Um, it's just that, you know, for some companies, the harder hire tends to be technical right mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, we've worked with companies on both coasts and, you know, I. I don't. Uh, I commonly hear that you know some of the non-tech roles are easier local hires for some of those. Uh, and so if we've got California companies, whether it's LA, Santa Barbara, Silicon Valley, SF, you know, oftentimes they'll hire some of those non-technical roles from local schools, yeah. um, and then be much more open to go to our network, which sits in the Midwest and Northeast. And source those people. Um, and source from. technical talent as yeah. well. So. so we've talked a lot about um, sourcing for startups, like you know wh- what a startup is is looking for in a candidate, and how you know you could build your your personal abilities to be a good candidate for a startup. Do you see d- uh, differences between what a startup may be looking for in in a recruit and? What a larger company, you know, maybe a recently IPO'd company like HubSpot, for example, mm-hmm. may be looking for, and uh, how that may change the way that a candidate would build their skill set. Yeah, um, I think it, it's definitely a function of the type of company. I mean, I think you've got, you know, a lot of companies that get big, and you know, the challenge becomes how do you maintain entrepreneurial culture and DNA, right, right, mm-hmm. within these organizations. Um, and some companies are better at it and more successful at it than others. So, 
you know, I view HubSpot as one of those that, you know, continues to maintain that entrepreneurial startup DNA at its core. Um, <clears throat> so I put them more in the category of the, uh, the companies that we, the startups that we work with, right, yeah. um, in that regard. We actually still refer to ourselves as a startup. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah. yeah, we have like a thousand. It feels a little weird. It's it's like the elephant in the room. It's like, yeah. okay, guys, we're a startup, but like nobody yeah. will it's say. Like a, like, it's like a forty-year-old guy still wearing the baby clothes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, really. <laughs> but anyway, so outside of HubSpot, so, yeah. So, uh, and we actually look for those types of companies, um, uh, or we started to over the last six months. So you know, we work with a company called Improvado. Um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, hundreds of employees went public a year ago um, and is doing very well, but a very cool entrepreneurial culture, a place that, you know, really looks to embrace young talent coming out and provide, you know, a, a great environment to start your career in. So, you know, we've also been talking with other companies. I mean, you know, we've worked with, you know, Huddle is mm-hmm. not public, but hundreds of employees. Um, and you know we've also worked with Spotify in the past Um, so to me it's all about a state of mind Um, and you know if there's a startup DNA that startup state of mind um, you know it's uh, uh, to us it it means that you know a a company can attract you know those individuals that want that entrepreneurial culture um, uh, almost as well as the startups Right, yeah. that uh, are much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brings up a question, uh, kind of a burning question since I even first checked out Think Big, which is what do you do to attract the students or the, the prospective candidates? Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, we've got a, a myriad of things that kind of happen and you, got, you almost have to think of Think Big as a, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a marketing engagement sourcing platform and platform doesn't really have software there's no machine here that we push a button and it just happens a lot of this is good old-fashioned marketing awareness building um, and on the ground activities that we do and then how do we leverage that uh, um, all the um, awareness we're building to actually get candidates interested to apply to students and how do we put lots of lines in the water to make it easier for them to apply and then how do we just be smart about filtering and curation and driving mm-hmm. this into companies so that those that want to receive you know 500 get their 500 right and those that will be crushed by 500 applicants don't have to Right. Focus on the yeah. fire. So, um, so a lot of it is marketing. So, what does that mean? That means student newsletters uh, that we've built, um, where we'll go out and we'll offer advice around finding opportunities at startups, how to communicate with them, getting your resume in order, um, connecting with them in different ways, um, the interview process, prepping for the tech interview. Um, nice. And so, you know, that that also goes out with openings and opportunities at our companies. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that will drive uh, students to maybe get a little bit more interested in HubSpot or Huddle or, you know, uh, Clever on the West Coast and apply. Right. Um, And we start the sourcing engine. That newsletter goes out to our channels. Um, What are our channels? It could be professors at CS departments. It could be entrepreneurship centers. It could be listservs. could be student groups. All right, that starts to get plugged in there. Um, So building more awareness. um, 
and driving more candidates. On the engagement side, uh, you know, we do one-on-one office hours with students to talk about startups. Hmm. We can take these things wherever they want to go. Is a startup right for me? What are the roles? What are they looking for? Wow, I love uh, Symphony Commerce. You know, can I get an intro into them? Um, uh, and we do these little 15 minute sessions, very successful. And it's all about advice. And a lot of times we're just providing resume crit- critiques right. and feedback um, about pro- side projects, GitHub. You know, a lot of you'd be surprised at how many um, resumes have spelling errors and formatting <laughs> yeah. errors. Yeah. You, be- you know, I, most startups have a big issue. It's a showstopper with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so we'll critique, we'll provide feedback. We're trying to show, give them guidance, kind of show them away the way and provide feedback about what they're doing. And maybe there's a good opportunity to connect a student with a specific company because we know both sides at yeah. that point. So one-on-one offers, office hours are big. We do workshops, talks around your roadmap for joining a startup. Um, and we'll do this in front of anywhere from 20 to 85 students. Um, and we usually bring, uh, it's a lot of what, we've, I, what we do in the one-on-ones, um, uh, but we basically provide them a roadmap for, hey, you wanna be there? You wanna start your career with a startup? Here's how you ought to be taking advantage of your time on campus uh, mm-hmm. to build the skills. Um, and then um, <clears throat> we also have uh, showcases and tracks where we'll bring companies in uh, either physically or virtually through Hangouts to connect with students. Um, we also do that on our workshops as well. So we like to be on the ground. We like to make connections uh, with students directly. We like to use our presence to bring in startups. If we can bring them in physically to Rochester, New York, or Ithaca, New York, great. If a company from Palo Alto can't travel to Champaign-Urbana, uh, we'll leverage technology and hangouts nice. to get them in front of students. Mm-hmm. Um, so, does uh, would you say that students are like already interested in entrepreneurship, or are you kind of exposing it to them with these workshops? Yeah, um, I mean, my background is I've I've worked on campuses for probably 10, 12 years. Um, I launched and ran the first uh, sort of uh, uh, national student accelerator program nice. called Summer at Highland. And I also did a lot of things around startups way back to 2006 around helping portfolio companies and startups uh, connect with students and interns uh, at different schools. So um, I've got a pretty long-term view on, on the climate and environment on campuses. and. Every year, there's more interest on campuses to join startups. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost always the difference between one university and and the next is how much the local startup ecosystem Mm -hmm. has been evolving, right? So you have places like University of Michigan, um, Cornell, uh, very strong local ecosystems. Um, But then you have other things kind of happening. I mean, I was on a a call with a a CS professor at a small Midwestern university who was interested in getting Think Big to campus. Um, And a lot of my questions were around the startup ecosystem there. Um, And it's emerging, it's, it's, you know, nowhere near where some of these other schools are, but it's happening and students are jumping on the bandwagon. So everything's relative between schools. but every year uh, the water level goes up 
more in terms of interest. Great to hear. I so, think that's so interesting because like I actually went to one of your events at UMass Amherst and the cool thing I thought about it was that we have like career fairs at UMass and CS students might go out to it like if they want to like figure out like who's actually there and they're starting to like job hunt and whatnot, but they're more likely to do it online. And when we had the Think Big event at UMass, it was advertised as these awesome startups that are coming. We had Fetch Notes, we had HubSpot, all these great companies. Like all of UMass's CS department, like it was yeah. freaking awesome. And what it was was this great in-person demonstration. Every startup went up there, pitched who they are, what they're all about, and then afterward, you just went out and networked and had pizza with them. And mm-hmm. that was like a great like first experience with these kinds of companies. So this is this is actually this is interesting mm-hmm. and uh, like. I'm hearing a lot of, like a lot of interesting uh, juxtaposition almost between the different techniques that are being used to to attract people and to communicate with people. Like I'm hearing, you know, uh, networking on the ground and resumes on one end. Like we've got like a 200 year old document practice over here, <laughs> and then I'm also hearing you talking about startups, which is like still a relatively new word to a lot of people and github which is something that's relatively new to a lot of people so how do you think that like you know with the tech the second technology boom and and everything that's that's happening with you know the second uh coming of startups and everything how has recruiting changed uh with this new landscape and what are what are companies doing different now and what are students or candidates needing to do different now yeah i mean my my background is (coughs) excuse me is not you know, my career has not been in recruiting in its, in its entirety. So, I mean, I was a computer engineer, right, and started off as a developer and then eventually got into product management, product marketing, uh, marketing channels. I was VP of marketing at some smaller software companies. And then I was, uh, uh, I ran marketing and university initiatives and um, some talent initiatives at a venture capital firm for 13 years, right? So. Uh, you know, my I'm not the pro on how you know recruiting technologies and 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 how some of those processes have changed. I but I can say, um, you know, I I mean, obviously there's social media and um, smarter technology and better technology out there today. Uh, the question is who can use it and who is using it. Um, you know, when you get into our world of smaller companies, you see a lot of. Uh, uh, we see lots of dichotomy between the haves and the haves not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to uh, recruiting, um, you know, if you have an internal recruiter, usually have they have an applicant tracking system and ATS. Um, ATSs have just made have uh, just have had significant improvement. There's a company out there called Greenhouse that's absolutely killing it right now. Um, comes up in almost all our conversations with companies. It's an ATS provider out of New York. <clears throat> and um, they've just got a great model that seems to really resonate. I mean, these systems are only good if they get used, and they also need to be effective across the organization. Um, and so, you know, I think you're seeing some um, uh, better tracking systems come out. Um, you obviously have social media with LinkedIn. Um, you know, how does Twitter fit in there in terms of, you know, tweeting things? I think LinkedIn is is probably, you know, the primary recruiting tool of most professional recruiters uh, just because of the information that's there. And, you know, LinkedIn's business model in terms of how do they how they monetize, a lot of it's through recruiters, yeah. right? Uh, they pay for more their services. More. 96 messages I had when I checked yesterday. <laughs> all all yeah. recruiters, every single one. Yeah. These guys saw that. 
<laughs> so so I, I mean things are changing um, but I think at the end of the day and, and this is something people can't forget I mean there needs to be a connection between who's hiring and who's being hired right? yeah and it needs to cut both ways and you know so I, I think that you know um, those dynamics are still the same as they've always been is finding fit um, yeah, you can use technology to maybe better manage applicants, maybe, you know, run those algorithms that will, you know, only give you, you know, Hadoop Python developers, right? Um, uh, but you'd be surprised how many people, uh, even in our small, um, smaller startups, where it will be like, you know, this person never f- would have fit our general criteria. But guess what? We dug in a little bit, and when we peel back the layer, they're a great fit for our organization. Um, and they wouldn't have been obvious and they would have been you know, kicked out uh, by the algorithm. Um, and so my point being is a lot of this is still personal connections and feel and fit. And oftentimes, yeah, you need to use technology to take those 500 down to something more manageable, but it's gonna come down to personal relationships and, and connections. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are there, like with that, are there any tried and true um, elements to, you know, recruiting or, or applying or anything like that that you think still really, really are uh, effective in that process? Like, you know, we think of like, wh- what did recruiting used to look like? I don't know. I have no idea. It might, <laughs> it might have been just like conversations and, and handing out resumes and shaking lots of hands. Um, and now, you know, like you were saying, we have algorithms that basically uh, take the, the human element out of it and they, you know, remove the face of the candidate and it's, now it's all about these specs and everything. And so I think a lot of people are focusing on that side of it. Yep. But are, is there anything that you're seeing on the other side where it's like, hey, you know, I'm hearing you talk a lot about human interactions and connections. What are the elements that are still around that are really, really important to the process of picking the right people and becoming the right person to be picked? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it from the candidate side. Okay. okay? Um, and uh, again, this will be somewhat jaded by the fact that it's more uh, through the lens of a startup company and what would get them interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not quite sure it applies to bigger companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that are hiring hundreds or thousands mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Amazon can check out right now. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, Amazon, Accenture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Ford Motor Company, um, you know. I'm, uh, because what I'm going to talk to is going to appeal more towards passion and the personal connection with the founding team, right, in some of these companies. So, you know, we touched on some of this earlier. I mean, you know, part of it is, you know, making sure you've got a resume that shows passion uh, and shows, uh, you know, intellectual curiosity and, you know, doing things outside the classroom at the end of the day in areas that you really care about and are looking to uh, develop and grow your skills in. Um, you know, making sure you somehow are illustrating, demonstrating what you built and what you've done uh, through the GitHub, through blog, personal blog, through personal portfolios, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, where there is opportunity to sort of differentiate um, is going to be through communication with companies. So, um, you know, this may be controversial uh, for some companies, um, but you know, HR for the most part in many companies um, 
is uh, Death Valley if you're a candidate. Um, and that's probably for a lot of reasons. You know, HR people, you know, very busy, um, maybe challenged to deal with volume uh, of applicants, um, sometimes don't know what the company's really looking for or the hiring manager is really looking for. So it's not to say you don't apply and go through the front door um, uh, at a company, but you should think about how do you reach out um, beyond that. And beyond that. And you know, with a startup or smaller company, you know, there's usually a technical founder, business founder. So you know, if you're, you know, uh, if you're looking for something on the business side, you know, I always recommend that students, new grads, consider, you know, crafting that personal note um, that talks about your interest, your passion for the company. Um, where you see yourself contributing, um, you know, 99% of candidates never take the time to do that. If they have a cover letter, it's standard template, almost stock. Yeah. Um, they reuse it all the time. So simply by doing it, and it's not free, it's going to take you 20, 30, 40, 60 minutes maybe to mm -hmm. write that um, where it comes from, from your heart. But simply doing that differentiates you from 99%. Yeah. Okay. Um, appeal to the founder. A founder went off and, I mean, the founders love their companies, obviously. It's their baby. I would go right into the founder. Um, yeah. And if you're, on the, if you're a developer, find the technical founder, right, and go into them with your note um, and make your case. Um, they were students at one point. Uh, again, I think the numbers are, uh, the probabilities are on your side because Everyone takes a shortcut and the mm -hmm. cheap way out. And, you know, just by taking the time, you're going to stand out. Um, so I always recommend, I mean, um, you know, my son uh, came back from school this year. He was a freshman. Uh, didn't get back from campus till June. Um, and was like, geez, I'd love to work for a startup. And I'm, I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? Uh, and so we talked about it a little bit more. And he found a a group of uh, I think 11 startups on the tech generation mm -hmm. uh, site that were hiring interns uh, and then he wrote a personal note to the CEO um, yeah. and made his case uh, and this was in June and I think he sent 11 letters out he had seven interviews or phone mm -hmm. conversations ended up with a couple offers and he found a terrific opportunity uh, at a startup in Waltham uh, where he spent the summer and had a great experience. Um, and so, you know, I think you can apply some of that. It, it's about being personal and custom and speaking from the heart and, and really exhibiting your passion. Putting in that effort. Yeah. And you said at the beginning of that that that, you know, particularly applied to startups. But I can tell you actually from personal experience that that doesn't just apply to startups. Huge tech companies like HubSpot and, and Google and Apple, they just classically higher from within, where you know you have recommendations that are coming from existing employees, uh, where they're saying, "Hey, I know this guy that I think would would be a great you know member of our team," and, and they serve as a referral. That's a, that's a huge thing for us here. Is a lot of our hiring is actually based off of referrals, because the entire idea is you know, hey, we we hire really really good talent, and we put a lot of trust into them, and we know that if they're vouching for somebody else, that they're probably of equal caliber to that person. Yep. yep. No, that's a great vehicle. I mean, especially as you look to scale, 
right, mm-hmm. and really ramp up. Um, you know, that as companies are smaller, those first 20, 30 hires are somewhat straightforward because they leverage the founding team's network and yeah. people they worked with in the past. But really what you're doing is taking that philosophy and extending it out, right, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to help fuel that level two, level three, level fourth um, layer of growth. Yeah, absolutely. Matt actually uh, recently had an interesting thing like that happen to him, where oh geez, you know, he had somebody he had somebody reach out to him, and yeah, that that turned out to be a dead end. Uh, <laughs> but there is a great example on on my team on Sidekick at HubSpot, where we have a content marketer who really wanted to work at HubSpot. It was like his dream job, and rather than going through the front door like you were talking about, he engaged with our current marketing team on their blog, etc., and then. Like read some of their articles, like generate some ideas of his own, start talking to them on Twitter and emailing like, hey, what do you think of this? And like response to what you wrote. And they got this dialogue going. And then at the end of it, they said like, wow, like you're really great with this stuff. Like you have some really interesting thoughts. Why don't you come work here? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to do all along. Yep. You know, exactly. It's, it's about finding those back doors. Like yeah. You yeah. And, and it's about finding... Um, the time to actually bring some value into the conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, one of the things, back to my son real quick, one of those 11 was a CEO of a company that kind of came back and said, you know, oh, we checked our user log and, you know, you're not a user, so therefore, you know, we're not interested in hiring you for the summer. So we were talking about that and he went back in with, uh, he actually went out, pulled 50 of his friends from high school and college, and this was a, a sports-related site, and said, hey, if, are you using this? Have you ever heard of it? One out of 50 came back and said that hmm. they had. So what he ended up doing was going back into the CEO and said, hey, you know, I, I did a little, you know, this isn't statistically, you know, a strong sample, significant, um, but it's, you know, I, I talked to 50, only one of 50. Here's what I propose I do for the summer uh, is oh, understand. That's under, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. understand He's why. A yeah, yeah. yeah a, a, a sports app is not of interest to uh, teen and young twenty something males at schools, right? Mm-hmm. And most of his friends are athletes, right, uh, or were athletes, and so he actually went in with a game plan uh, around how he could spend the summer. Uh, really understanding that better and proposing solutions so the company could address right. Mm-hmm. So, That's but it was interesting. The CEO, yeah. the CEO did not pick up, did not bite. Uh, yeah. So, um, but that right. happens. So, hey, Mike. Uh, unfortunately, we were running a little short on time. Um, <laughs> that happens. You know what? It was awesome to have you here. Thank yeah. you so much um, for having this conversation with us, Matt Austin. Do you have any last minute questions or anything you want to add? I actually do. Uh, we've just talked about it so much. Like, I just want to get a quick answer on this. What makes startups, like, what what generates that level of excitement to join a startup as opposed to larger companies? For, you're talking from a student or candidate? Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking back to the event that I went to, and the reason everyone was so excited about it was because of the really cool startups that were there. Yeah. As opposed to, like, when I don't want to name companies, but Amazon and Yahoo come to the career fair at UMass, no one goes. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is uh, the opportunity to uh, have impact. Um, mm-hmm. and make a difference uh, and work on projects that have meaning um, where you can actually contribute to the success and the trajectory uh, of the company. Um, it gets much harder to do as a company gets significantly bigger. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that's not to say those aren't really good environments for learning and picking up certain skills, especially if you want to go deep in certain areas. Uh, it's just, you know, smaller, more entrepreneurial companies, um, you know, there's just more opportunity. And, you know, uh, along with that is, you know, obviously more risk. You know, yeah. some of these companies may not be around in a year mm-hmm. or two. Um, and so, you know, I think it attracts a, a certain type of uh, individual that's, you know, looking for that chance to contribute at that level, you know, can, um, uh, you know, handle the risk uh, associated, you know, with those types of environments. And, you know, is, is looking for, you know, the opportunity to do something that they're probably not going to have, you know, at a, at a bigger company. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, cool. definitely. All right. Well, it's been a great time. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you so much. Thank for you, being guys. Here. Yeah, really, really, you, uh, really enjoyed being here today. Yeah, cool. Glad to have you. Um, so, if you want to, where where can uh, people contact you or find? So, thinkbig.com. That's yeah, think B1G, big. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Think big. B one G dot com. Um, link in the description. Yeah, we'll we'll link that in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you know if you're if you're a startup or high growth company and you, and you're really looking for you know unfair advantage for recruiting out of top uh, universities, um, you know check us out. And if you're a student. Uh, you know, check out our calendar uh, and where we'll be. We're, I think we're going to be at about 15 campuses this fall and probably another 12 to 15 in the winter. Uh, so excellent. would love to see you, you know, when we come to town. Sounds great. Um, so that's Mike. Um, if you want to talk to one of us here at the UX and Growth Podcast, you can find our information at, and all the previous episodes at uxandgrowth.com. Um, you can contact us at hello at uxandgrowth.com. Um, and that's all we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.